It's August 3rd. It's August Thoid. It's the Toid of August 2022. We are getting together tonight on a Wednesday evening. It is another hot one. Hot and humid. And I think tomorrow is going to be a real scorcher. But who knows? Does it break for the rest of the summer? Sometimes we get a really mild August up here. Anyway, it's always mild in the studio because I give the AC at least an hour-long head start to cool this this baby down so that you and I can have a comfortable little powwow. Who says powwow anymore? I've heard it a couple times recently. Maybe it rubbed off on me. So what do we have going on tonight? I have a few things. Uh, first, I got to say, last night's show was so incredible. And it always happens that way when you, there's a little bit of a letdown at the beginning of the show or, you know, you had a, a guest that everybody was excited for and then they couldn't show up. Or we're getting a, we're getting a, a new date for Roseanne Barr. But anyway, the conversation that ensued afterwards was really just something else. It was, it was a tremendous time. It really was. And I got a lot of response from people with their stories of awakening. I said specifically within the last three to five years, were you atheist or agnostic and have had something come inside of you, be, you know, a, a light? Were you activated in some way? Did the spiritual beacon come on and did you are you scratching and clawing for god now and uh that was on the heels of the cat von d story really nice i think it was a really really great second half i got a couple of emails i'll find a way to circle back around to them and and talk about them with you guys and gals but in the meantime as long as the conversation was had that's all that matters so tonight we're going to have another great guest on with us her name is danny katz she's been on before months ago and i said danny you got to come back sometimes later sometime later in the audience and uh, in august or in the summertime and when you come on we need to do a little bit more about occult etymology so all of the words that we use where they come from and the double meanings and the impact that they have in ways that we don't even know. So, uh, oh, and, and you know what one of those words I forgot. We didn't mention it last time on, but I got, I got bludgeoned over the head by poopy, uh, poopy butthole afterwards on Twitter DM. He said, kids, you didn't bring up kids, how kids are baby goats and you need to start saying children instead of kids. So I don't know why I didn't even why that wasn't the first thing that came to my head but tonight we'll be doing more of that Danny Katz that's in the second in the first half in the second half I want to talk a little bit about the Alex Jones trial uh, just because that's been going on in the background and we haven't touched it but I've been loosely following it and I have just bigger questions that I want to pose to the audience and I think that it goes hand in hand with a lot of what the what has been leaked by the uh, th from the FBI and published by Project Veritas within the last couple of days. 
I think it all goes hand in hand. I want to talk about that in the second half. So we should have a good time. Tomorrow, Amazing Polly, the Amazing Polly, will be on this show, filling in on Thursday. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. Maybe I'll actually even be able to bring up what we talked about last night with her. She's the type of person I can talk about that stuff with. And we can also go on incredible deep dives about any other kind of global machinations that are playing out before our very eyes. The gears were being chewed up. Well, anyway, that's it. Tonight, I would love to, I would love to uh, plug the affiliates page, just in general. Wednesday, I usually have a, a spot there where I don't know what to plug, so I want to plug the affiliates page from Wednesday now on. You go to quitefrankly.tv, which is the hub of all things that is this show. It is a wonderful blog. So many amazing things, timeless pieces in that blog now that you should really go and explore a little bit, share with your friends. Um, but here it is. This is the affiliates page. You got Blue Monster Prep and Secret Nature, of course, but there's so many other people and so many other great companies and products and services you got to check out. Uh, Apex Water, robskungfuchannel.com. Go check out and sign up for all of the essential classes for Qigong, Tai Chi, all of that. Uh, Lefty's hand-rolled cigars. It is still, we are in the prime of cigar season, and autumn is cigar season as well. And there, there's just so much great stuff there at Lefty's Cigars, so go check them out. There's Flip City Magazine. These are all great gifts for yourself or other people. Nordic Coffee. you got to watch out for Nordic Coffee because soon we are going to have a very special roast, just for quite frankly. Uh, they, uh, Christian and company at Nordic are sending me five different new custom roasts with all the information about the origin of the beans and all that stuff. And I'm going to be doing some taste testing with friends and family. And we are going to settle on it. And hopefully, we are going to have this packaged and ready for you guys to stuff some stockings. Quite frankly, coffee roast. There's Jay Gulanello. Yes, cacao. Get yourself some botanical chocolate. It is magic. We have done a... Actually, actually, Danny Katz knows Justin from Yes, Cacao. And many a time that we talk to the Yes Cacao people, it's really just talking about alchemy. There is so much energy that is put into that chocolate. And then you now know Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange, you met Tony last week. So start your gold and silver stacking or your IRAs, all that stuff, go there. The affiliates page, there's tons of things you can do there and they're all friends and and um, necessary stuff, all of it. All right. Here we go, into the grab bag. This is the first thing up. The very important news coming from Hollywood. Demi Lovato opens up about why she's now using she, her pronouns again. Don't know who Demi Lovato is? Don't worry, neither does she. She's been feeling more feminine, she says, so she's back to she, her. You know, there's plenty mornings that I wake up feeling like dog shit. What does that mean? What pronouns... It? Is that what I... What is... Am, am I... Is it it on the days that I feel like dog shit? So, these completely confused nut jobs continue. I have to make an announcement. I know last year I was they, them. But I feel more like a girl. Again. So, it's she, her. Just for any... Just in case you see me walking around outside, you know how to address me before my bodyguards break your neck from coming near me. Stupid. 
these stupid masturbatory freaks. Here's some sad news coming out of the, the Congress today. I just saw this not too long ago. There was a death by a congresswoman, Republican Jackie Walarski, killed in a car crash in Indiana. Two aides were also killed. Four people in total were killed in the car crash, according to police. This is ABC 57 says four people died in a crash at SR 19 and SR 119 near Napanee Wednesday afternoon. According to police, one of the victims was U.S. Representative Jackie Walarski. Um, it was an, it was a uh, crash between two vehicles near the intersection of SR 19 and 119. Three people in the SUV were killed in the crash, including Walarski, Zachary Potts, and Emma Thompson. The sole occupant of the other vehicle involved was also pronounced dead at the scene. She had been identified as 56-year-old Edith Schumer, uh, Schmucker of Napanee. Jeez. So that's, um, that's horrible news. And that's just breaking. So I thought I'd put that out there. Sorry to all the families. That's just those are abrupt, horrible, violent ends. There's just nothing more morbid about them because you can't prepare for them. Can't prepare. Uh, here is a little something to lighten up the mood, though. This is uh, a, a really wonderful thing. Somebody went to a Houston, Texas gun buyback event that was hosted by Democrats out there. And one guy that went there, he took full advantage of it and really got, he was very clever. This is from Town Hall. You probably heard it, but over the weekend, Houston's Democrat mayor, Sylvester Turner, held a gun buyback event in a church parking lot where residents could turn in their firearms and receive a gift card ranging from $50 to $200 with no questions asked. According to the mayor's announcement, the funds provided to those turning in firearms came from the American Rescue Plan, a.k.a. American taxpayers, and the amount per firearm was $50 for a non-functioning firearm, $100 for a rifle or shotgun, or $150 for a handgun, and $200 for a fully automatic rifle. That must be old and very rare. Heralded as a success by the mayor and hyped by Liberal Houston Chronicle, the event on Saturday saw 845 guns brought back and some $100,000 wasted in gift cards. Uh, but the alleged success isn't exactly what it seems. The frequently asked questions section for the buyback noted that there's no limit on the number of firearms that could be turned in by an individual, nor was there any restrictions on the type of handguns as long as they're functioning. Enter some creative and apparently entrepreneurial individuals who saw an opening and decided to make some extra cash. So here you have a guy who showed up with these 3D printed firearms that are more colloquially colloquially dubbed ghost guns. He showed up to the buyback with dozens, 60 3D printed guns and they had to accept them. No choice in accepting them. So they handed over all this stuff. It only cost him $3 to print each of these guns. And these are functional guns that you can 3D print at home. I think they're just single shot. Um, so he made 62 of them for $3 a piece and received $50 per three 3D printed gun for a total of nearly $3,000 in gift cards. This guy's a legend. Good for him. Good for him. 
the tax money is going to get going to get squandered anyway. I'd rather them get completely boosted by their own stupidity. So I'm happy. Happy for that man right there. Uh, here's a little bit more. I thought this was weird. And this was hosted on AccuWeather. Ready? AccuWeather. What will the weather be like in the metaverse? I can tell you. There's no reason to read the rest of this article. What will the weather be like in the metaverse? It'll be you sitting in a chair, blindfolded, with an oscillating fan blowing in your face. And you'll have to tell yourself you're at the fucking beach. That's what it is. The opportunities, though, they say, will likely go beyond what we can imagine. And applications could even help save lives. Oh. Oh, Lord. A network of virtual worlds where people can interact online has exploded online as a topic of discussion and conjecture. More and more people are logging into Metaverse, and many more will soon join them. However, before I, have, I don't know one person who has yet. However, before you make your plans to join the Metaverse, you might like to know what the weather will be like there. Meta, the parent company of Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp, is one of the companies at the forefront of developing the Metaverse alongside technology companies like Google and Apple and video game developers and service providers, NVIDIA, Epic Games, and Roblox. Uh, Meta describes the Metaverse as a space that allows people to socialize. Oh, fuck. What about the weather? Let's see here. Okay. NVIDIA is developing Omniverse, which Keras describes as an operating system for building and connecting virtual worlds. Inside these spaces, true-to-reality simulations can run, something, for example, that could be extremely important to architects looking to build structures to withstand extreme weather, especially in a world with increasingly intense storms fueled by climate change. It's just always, always the message. These are the kind of things that Danny Katz reads and goes nuts, like the rest of us. Um, so they're gonna be able to simulate things. I don't know how. If you're gonna go to a destination, someplace you've never been before, you might look at the weather report and see what the weather is gonna be like there. Or you can go to a virtual representation of that destination and be able to experience it in different weather scenarios. How? You'll never experience it until you're physically there. What is going to generate the heat of a 97 degree boiling day in August? What is going to uh, simulate the, the, the wind that is generated during a monsoon or, or, or a, a tornado or something? What are you talking about? It's far more practical to take out the AccuWeather app and just type in the zip code and see what the weather report is going to be. You will soon be inside of it. Nobody's ever said, oh, well, it looks like it's going to be uh, torrential today. And then say, well... We can't be sure until we go there and find out. I mean, I, I guess there's a chance that the thing blows out to sea. But the metaverse isn't going to save you from one end or another. There, But this is just... This is what people do when they have nothing left. The Los Angeles Times made some very sad news public last night. Vin Scully... The forever voice of the Dodgers died at 94. And let me just say, Dodgers fans, if you grew up a Dodgers fan in Los Angeles or if you were, if you were old enough to remember and have enjoyed any of the Dodgers uh, games, I think he started um, 
I think he started doing the Dodgers games in Brooklyn in around 1950. So right before they were really those those big time Yankee Dodgers series were really starting to kick off. And he followed them from Brooklyn to Los Angeles. And Vin Scully, he did so many th- oh man, he was there for so much. He did he so many famous calls. Everybody, of course, you know the Kirk Gibson call. But he was there to do Hank Aaron's call. I know that. He called Hank Aaron's record-breaking home run when he surpassed Babe Ruth. Uh, he was there for all those Yankee-Dodger games, especially the uh, the home the the Don Larson perfect game in 1956, and all. It's just so much. And he was a really, really awesome guy. From everything I've read and what I've listened, I used to, I love everything that I was able to get exposed to by him, and. Um, and I've read plenty of about from those who worked with him about how he was just timeless. Timelessly awesome. And we also got really nice little tidbits like this over the years. This was from 2019, I believe. It was a Milwaukee Dodge, uh, Milwaukee Brewers versus L.A. Dodgers. And I think it was uh, Hernan Perez. He's from Venezuela. He came up. And, you know, you get a little bit of that... You get just a little bit of that Vin Scully off the cuff talking about this or that. This is what I love about baseball, especially because this is what I grew up with. The voices like Vin Scully, though he was, I wasn't really exposed to him other than in special events when he came on to do play-by-play for all-star games or whatever, one thing or another. But we had Phil Rizzuto, and it was the same kind of banter. It was the same kind of mentality from that generation. And here he is rattling off a little bit about the hardships in Hernan Perez, his uh, home country of Venezuela. I, I think I played this on the show the day after it happened, but here it is again. Socialism failing to work as it always does, this time in Venezuela. You talk about giving everybody something free and all of a sudden there's no food to eat. And who do you think is the richest person in Venezuela? The daughter of Hugo Chavez. Hello. Anyway, 0-2. I love that. Hello. Anyway, 0-2. And that sound, that sound, the murmur of the crowd, just the very calm rambling of a voice like that. Because there's something, I I think Bob Euchre, I think Bob, doesn't Bob Bob Euchre still do some games on radio for the Brewers? Man, that guy is tough as nails, too. Oh, man. I mean, he doesn't have forever either. He's in his 90s. I think Bob Euchre's in his 90s. But that sound right there is summer nights for me. That is summer nights. You know, the, the windows are open. There's a little bit of a summer breeze coming through. You hear the crickets outside. You're watching a baseball game with your family, or you're outside already, and you're listening to it on a, on a radio, and the, the, the play-by-plays there are just as warm and cozy. That's just... Um, that is just scenes from an American summer. I, I love that all. Let me see how... Bob Euchre. Let's see here. Let's see. He's 88 years old. Is he still work? He's still... I think he's still working. Bob Euchre. Mr. Baseball. Um, broadcaster. MLB, last MLB, Come on, where is... Well, I don't know. Maybe somebody can tell me if he's still if he's still broadcasting for the Brew. Oh wait, here you go. Yep, yep. 
He's been broadcasting since 1971 for the Milwaukee Brewers, 1971 till present. 88 years old, tough as nails, uh, effortlessly funny, this guy. Effortlessly funny. You should, if you want to you have a good time, you should watch some of Bob Uecker's appearances on Johnny Carson's show from back in the day. There's plenty of them there. He got called back all the time because he was just, he's just one of those guests. You don't have to do anything. Just push him in a direction and he'll take over the show. All right, well, that's it. Rest in peace, Vin Scully, another Titan. And what a well-lived life. What a well-lived life. Okay, we will be right back. Don't go anywhere. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's rock! Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. You can throw me all types of messages and support through, quite frankly, superchat.com. We will be checking those as we make our way through this evening's program. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. And, uh, I, you know, I found this one of the... <laughs> I had to go look for it, and I saw somebody in the chat room say that my father used to put on the television broadcast and listen to the radio, uh, the radio play-by-play. I've done that before with Yankee games because I just I can't stand the commentary sometimes. Uh, Michael K is not my favorite, uh, I, especially when Joe Buck and other people take over. And I've I've done that in the past where I just want to listen to John and Susan and be done with it, even though their play-by-play isn't that good. <laughs> it's just it's just cozy. Uh, here, it, let me. See, I hope that this is loud enough. Here's one of Bob Euchre's Miller uh, Miller Light commercials, the front row commercial. I'm sure everybody knows. I always said that Andrew Claven is the Bob Euchre of political commentary. I, I, I mean, I, I just feel like they're, they're kindred in their approach and their, their chuckle and all that stuff. You know, you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe some of you know what I mean. Here, listen. You know, one of the best things about being an ex-big leaguer is getting freebies to the game. Call the front office, bingo. And once these fans recognize me, I probably won't even have to pay for my life here for Miller. Down it! I love them. These fans know I drink light because it's less filling, and it tastes great. Good seats, huh? We're in the wrong seat, buddy. Come on. Oh, I must be in the front come row. On, come on, come on. Light beer from Miller. Everything you always wanted in a beer and less. Down in front. Ha! I love them. It just never... And he made an entire career about just self-deprecating. 
self-deprecating jokes about how <laughs> how uh, small and unsuccessful his playing career was, and that's just you know when you're self-deprecating, it 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 just warms a lot of people up. You don't want to just constantly rail on yourself to the point where it's pathetic, you know. But uh, got to do something. All right. So we have our guest Annie Katz coming on. First, I wanted to bring this up a little bit. Esotericknowledge.me, word magic, how words are used as magic spells. By Pao Chang, words are not just elements of speech or writing because they can be used to strengthen the effects of magic. When spoken out loud, words transform into frequencies and vibrations. The right frequencies and vibrations can be used to direct and control energy. Because the frequencies and vibrations of words have power to control energy, learning to use the right magic words is one of the first steps to creating magic effects. Just think about the messages in the water. Most people will laugh at the idea of magic being real, but if only they knew what real ma- what magic really is and how it is being used to control them, they will not be laughing. The world is dominated by magic. Until you understand or understand, understand, I guess understand is one of those words, understand how magic is used to control you, you will never know how the world really works. The controllers who control a large percentage of the corporate world are well aware of how magic works. Most, if not all, all of them practice the art of magic which is why they are sometimes referred to as dark magicians. Unfortunately, they like to use magic for power and evil purposes instead of using it to make the world a better place. One of the most magical or powerful things in the universe is energy. If you learn how to control and direct this energy, you will become one of the most powerful people on Earth. Why do you think the controllers, the dark magicians, are so obsessed with magic and energy? Now, what is the definition of magic? It's the art of influencing events and producing marvels using hidden natural forces. Hidden natural forces. So that would be the natural force that is hidden inside of us, but also flows through all of us connectedly, would be the power of human intention. Absolutely. 100%. That in and of itself is magic. It is a hidden power. Uh, one that goes completely uh, untouched and every once in a while somebody stumbles into it for the wrong reason, for the wrong, doing the wrong thing. But tonight, tonight I want to talk a little bit more about hidden power of words, uh, occult entomology, uh, and and from there just catching up, catching up a little bit about what's going on in the, the minds of the average student in America and what is controlling them, what is pulling them in one direction or another, and how can people like Danny Katz help to reverse some of these terrible trends? Well, remember, we always see these things happening more and more with homeschooling. We talked about it last week or a couple of days ago. One of the greatest silver linings I can hold on to with throughout all of this nonsense is that we now have over 5 million American children that have been pulled away from the human meat grinder that is the American education system. So, uh, and one of those people helping pull those uh, young souls away from the meat grinder is Danny Katz. What's going on, Danny? Hey, Frank. How's it going? Oh, it's going well. You know, I was just thinking when I when I was getting all my notes together for today, I was thinking. I remember earlier this year having you on and saying, "Let's have you back in the summer. Let's do a follow up." And here you are. And you know what that tells me? Time is relentless. It just doesn't stop. 
It really, it keeps on ticking, ticking, ticking into the future. Oh, yes. It keeps ticking. <laughs> Do you know that song? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Into the future. So, exactly. Well, man, oh, man. I hope everything's been well with you. How's your spring? How's the summer been so far? Summer's been great. I'm, I'm writing a new book. Um, so I've, I've been writing, 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 working with lots of coaching clients. It's been really busy. That's great. What's the book about? The book is called The Language of Betterarchy. And the idea is that we have a lot of people saying that patriarchy is the biggest problem and the reason why everything terrible ever happened and that the solution is supposedly matriarchy. My perspective is that the issue is actually hierarchy. If we're still proposing systems where there need to be losers for there to be winners, then we're all losing and they're all expressions of the masculine imbalance. So really the only way forward is to evolve out of hierarchy. So I'm unearthing the hierarchical languaging patterns that are enslaving us and helping people to learn how to speak a language of betterarchy. And then through that language, the new system will automatically emerge because that's what we're speaking. It's true. It's true. We always it, Hierarchy is baked into everything that people who are supposedly fighting for a truly egalitarian world are always proposing and if there's anything to be said about the about nature and about our our uh, you know our place in it is that masculine feminine balance each other out in in very perfect ways so so to so to uh to claim that you need to create a power structure out of one side or the other oh man it's just a lot of pretending and it never works out well yeah, exactly. So this is this is an actual tool that's going to resource us to create a better iteration of society without the hierarchy nonsense. Yeah. Now, I, I in fact, I just saw this. I saw this Bloomberg article that was published maybe a couple hours ago, Danny. The headline, I have not read it. I'm going to save it for a night that I want to have a laugh. The headline is, it's getting harder to be a woman in America. So I could, I just, I just can't with the disempowering nonsense. Like as a woman, I find it so offensive. I refuse to sign on. It's insane. We're so blessed here. When people say that, I'm thinking like, have you ever traveled? Have you, have you ever been to Africa or the Middle East? It's ridiculous. Well, not only that, I, I, it's offensive to me as a, as a man as well, because I know what has been done to men in education, uh, in, in the, um, in the pursuit of some, you know, this, I don't know, this boy versus girl stuff that has been picked up by the entire institution. I know the advantages that women have over men in education, uh, in, in life expectancy, in, uh, in, in death rates at work, in dangerous jobs, in prison time that are being given. There's a lot of that they could go easy on women with prison time. No fault divorce. Uh, geez, that has destroyed so many families before they even got started. So I just I just think about that all the time. And this is what is trickling into young educate like educating the youth. Like, this is what people get first when they walk into a kindergarten classroom. If you're a boy, if you're a girl, you have certain obstacles, and the other person on the other side of the class is responsible for them. That's horrible. It's, it's utter cruelty on top of indoctrination and propaganda. It's such a cruel thing to do to children to implant them with ideas of separation and disempowerment when they're so young and, you know, when their brains are so pliable. It, it's really, really painful. I remember when I was a kid, my mother had a bumper sticker on her car that said, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. And I remember as a child thinking, that's really cruel. Like, I have... 
I have a dad and I have a brother and I have friends. And the fact that this message is being implanted into those minds isn't cool. Oh, I know. I know when you're a woman, you, you put that out there. You don't think about, oh, wait, 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 wait. My son is going to be a man one day. <laughs> right, right, right. I see. And then these days, it's the future is female. And I remember seeing a woman in the park in Los Angeles, and she was wearing this, like, beautifully embroidered cashmere sweater that said the future is female. And she had a son on each hand. <laughs> yeah. it, it was really... I mean, it would be funny if it wasn't just devastating. Well, you've had some pretty ridiculous things happen to you recently at the hands yeah. of those, uh, uh, at the hands of some of the uh, the spawns of that way of thinking. So you had some problems with, you told me you had a problem with a student recently. What happened there? Um, so I was, I've been taking improv classes for many, many years in many, many different schools. And I was just banned from my entire improv school here in Santa Fe because in the middle of a sketch, my character, who was a bodybuilder, said ballet is faggy. <laughs> and uh, someone in class threw a complete MKUltra mind control hissy fit, the likes of which I've never seen. It was like a stage 10, you know, emergency problem. And then no one in the school talked to me about it at all. The teacher didn't mention anything about it because Obviously, it wasn't a problem, and then I got an email saying that I was banned from the entire school. From this, you can't even walk through the front door. No, no, and there's one other improv school in town, and I reached out to them and said, hey, can I get in any classes? And this school had called that school and told them to ban me there as well. Man, nobody, yeah. and, and, and I'm thinking that if you're, if you, I see you trying to, pretending to be a bodybuilder and throwing that out there, I am having a chuckle. I can I see what I see the dichotomy you're trying to create and it's it's funny, oh right. man! But they can't even be in the the in in earshot of any kind of a sound like that. Exactly, and in in my years of doing improv, I've never had an issue. The whole point of improv is it is a place for where it's like my one little place where I can still express freely. But apparently, it's it's not that anymore either. <laughs> wow. Well, hey. What are you going to do? You know what? Actually, that makes me want, want to expand on that thought a little bit, too. Words, etymology, we we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But to think about the actual, you know, pronunciation of a word, we hear it, you say the same word over and over again, all of a sudden, it becomes less and less familiar to you. And you just start hearing this very odd alien sound. And mm -hmm. at the very basis of all this is, it's just this sound. And it's amazing to see how sounds really just trigger everybody in different ways based on what the sound is. And, it's, it, uh, and the fact that some people have no control over how they react to it, that is 100% conditioned into them. Oh, complete. I think it's definitely tied in with some of the DARPA mind control programs in terms of what they're doing with frequencies. Because I, I started noticing it back when you would say the word Trump and people would completely lose their cookies and it's like it's it's just a word like it's great that you have a strong opinion can you maintain an emotional center but i think that that's definitely a mind control situation because the responses are so over the top like the the extent of the emotional meltdown does not really line up to the casual dropping of faggy in a fictional improv sketch you're sketch. right you're right you know and i want to live in a world where i can drop faggy all the time 
and just have it be okay again because it, it's it, it could be fun. This actually reminds me of that uh, the uh, that what well, I think that's episode one, season three of The Office. That's how Michael Scott got in trouble with Oscar because uh, he, he said, "What is it?" it, it, it he said it was. Uh, well, I don't know if he didn't like. The movie, what was it? Uh, Die Hard. If you didn't like to- Die Hard, that was faggy. And, and oh, so he used the exact word, faggy? He uses. You have to go watch episode one. It's such a dumb word. It is. <laughs> it is. And it was. It was. It only caused the problem because in this case, Oscar was still in the closet, and uh, and so HR came over to him. But the fact that oh, that's again, that's two thousand six, two thousand seven. I often tell Lauren when we watch some of those episodes. Um, this could not fly at all, at uh, at all today. Not at all. That that was done on NBC. None of the stuff that we used to watch would fly today. It's it's gotten to such the cuckoo place. And what was weird to me was like, okay, there's this young woman with the purple hair and the MK Ultra mind control, and I have a lot of compassion for whatever programming she's been under. But then I thought, well, at least the the teachers and the administrators will have some semblance of critical thinking and let her know this is just improv class, but it didn't it didn't work like that. Oh, yeah, I that's well either way. I'm sorry you had to go through that, but then again, we're all just going to have to get used to this and and just sidestep it and let them and just do something else. So make your own improv class. That would, that's what you really need to do. Um, yeah. I have an email that came before we get to some the list the, these these uh, occult etymology, the list of some more commonly used words that people don't realize has so much more writing and so much more baggage. I got this email uh, concerning you a couple of weeks ago. Hey, Frank, wanted to drop a question in for when Danny is on the show, if there's a chance you can squeeze this in. I was wondering how she feels about our devolving language as a whole and impact it is having. Uh, growing majority of people, especially the younger generations, do not know how to speak, write, or speak or write properly. I would be willing to bet most Generation Z couldn't read cursive, let alone write it. But on a broader scale, we now abbreviate so many words with the help of text lingo, emojis, predictive keyboards, a whole new language of internet slang has appeared, and you can scroll down any comment section and see what looks like a foreign language if you aren't familiar with it. In my opinion, the deeper this goes, the harder it will be to pull out of, and the more ignorant and unrefined our society will continue to sink. Would love to hear her thoughts on this. Thanks a lot, Frank. Kenny. Um, thank you for that, Kenny. I'm, I'm so happy that you brought that up. I completely agree. I think it's uh, another demoralization campaign that's contributed to our swift devolution. I think it's tied in with the transhumanist agenda because it's getting people to speak in truncated language like computers and computer programming, I find it extremely frustrating. I have a no tolerance policy with it. So if someone says, you know, a word like totes or fave, I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> like I will I will request the the enunciation of the entire word. It's like we're so lazy that we can't be bothered to waste the cardio on all three syllables. We have to truncate it to just one or there was also this similar thing with you know the the celebrity couples where they, where they they put their their names together oh yes it's all the same op to just make us dumber and more like computers and um less able to function in society well i i always said that the emoji is the new hieroglyphic I said that we. This is going to be the more and more this is. We're just going to be. Cause, I mean, how complex 
can you really get with those? You're talking about very simple uh, sigils that you really just want to get some simple things across there. And sometimes one sigil will just give you a, an, or an, an idea of an entire thought in one tiny little I don't one-dimensional, two-dimensional object. And it's very weird. And I said it's going to be the new hieroglyphics. The only thing is that the ancient Egyptians, they were a very advanced society, and hieroglyphics was a very advanced um, advanced uh, form of of text and writing. This is something completely different. It is infantile. Uh, the letter writing, I can tell you about that. I write cursive exclusively. I will be teaching my daughter how to write cursive, write in cursive. But... Um, I want to talk to you about that in particular, just, just the, the, micro, the micro motions from the wrist to the hand to the paper to the pen, uh, all that stuff that really, it, it, it's such an um, invigorating exercise there, but I, I even one, every once in a while, the, when the, the what should we call it, the autocorrect is off and I'm writing a letter on paper. Sometimes I feel the pressure even now, too, and I write a lot of letters, but I get used to even having that autocorrect there and a word suggestion pop up, and suddenly, when I'm just staring at a piece of paper, I'm like, oh, wait, wait, I'm back in the era of whiteout. We're doing whiteout again, Frank. You can't white this out. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I want to speak to the emoji thing, because I think the other piece that differentiates the, the emojis that we're dealing with now from the hier hieroglyphic Hello, hieroglyphics is how they've inserted um, the race baiting op into it with all the different skin tones and hieroglyphics didn't have that and didn't have that like distinctive awareness and identification with all these different shades of melanin which is shredding our human family to pieces while also trying to homogenize us through this like very narrow set of emotions we're allowed to have um, and yeah, I think there's something very different between writing with our hand and, and what that's doing to our brain and how that's connecting us to the spell casting that we will get into, that language is in terms of using language to create reality and you know, activating different hemispheres of our brain. I think it's very important that we keep that practice alive. I'm very happy to know that you're gonna be teaching your daughter cursive. And I think it's important for me as a writer, I, I find myself sometimes getting a little bit too dependent on the computer and I, I will force myself to write an essay by hand. And there's there are certain things that invite me to write in different ways. So a few years back, I was assigned an article on the gene keys which is this like very deep spiritual transmission. And I just knew that I wanted to hand write it and didn't want the computer to have anything to do with what wanted to come through. So it's, you know, it's very different process, you know, just in terms of the process and in terms of connecting us to the ideas that are coming through when we're handwriting them versus when we're on the computer, which is also why they have us sign things because you know, the dark magicians know that a handwritten signature is quite different from typing our name. Oh, yes. You know, so they still haven't gotten away from that practice. No, yes. It's, it's, it's important there, too. And I, I, think, I think your earlier comment about how this is tied so closely in with the transhumanist stuff is 
I mean, you can't lose that point all throughout this. I mean, even some of those emojis now, they have, yeah, yeah, they, they break things down into skin color and all that um, and always trying to keep you differ- differentiated from the per. You know, a yellow man is just not enough. <laughs> it's, it's just not enough. It would be, it would be uh, you know, it would be suppressing somebody's inner expression. But, uh, <laughs> but the fact that they have emojis of pregnant, what it looks like to be a pregnant man, but it's it's just a woman in a crew cut that happens to be pregnant. I mean, the fact that that messaging is baked into everything too, where you are again gender bending and and uh, and trying to instill in people that those who cannot have children actually can, even though it's it's just a a switch of definition and not a switch of a body. It, it's just it's so um, it's invasive. Maddening. It's a it's maddening. It's abrasive. It's it's completely insulting and it's uh, it's scary because they have the momentum right now. That's that's the sad part. Yeah, that is the really sad part. Since we spoke last, I've left all social media and I had a pretty big following on Instagram, but it was just it was too frustrating. You know, I couldn't keep giving my emotional center like the health of my nervous system to these platforms that are censoring and unfollowing and suppressing, and they do have the upper hand. And it, it is a very frustrating moment for those of us who see what's going on and actually care about the well-being of humanity. Mm. Mm. I actually just had my uh, producer Abe text me, and he he's been sending me all of these these uh, these words there too, and their occult uh, occult roots, and he even said cursive curse hyphen iv curse i've i've you know it's so much so let's just jump into that because we're talking about emojis now we're we're talking about just the basic mindset that is prevalent in the classrooms and in improv class and now i want to do a little bit more with this so last time we said okay next time you come on danny let's get together a little bit longer of a list of words that have meanings that and and origins that most people would not know but we use almost every day where do you want to start okay so i prepared a list (laughs) okay i I have 16 words i don't know if we're going to get through all of them no problem Um, the one that i'd like to start off with which actually our mutual friend justin suggested i throw into the mix Mm -hmm. is how often we say the words unlimited and limitless which both necessarily invoke the frequencies of limitation and how there actually does not exist in any you know established english dictionary a way to convey this thought without invoking limitation i've created the word omniscopic which means every moment access to every possibility that ever was is or will be to replace it but just in terms of innovation of what is possible for us on this planet when we're hampered by the idea and the frequencies of limitation in describing being unlimited or limitless that right there is its own enslavement construct hmm i love that that. it does it does everyone's one way or another one way or another you think you think that you're you think that you're talking about one thing, but there is that root word. It's based into it. And you say, well, it's a negation of the root word. But exactly. Yeah. So exactly. they have it. Which de- it's, like, it's like drawing a big pink elephant and then putting a circle and a slash through it and thinking we haven't just implanted the image of a pink elephant into someone's mind. Right. You know, it's just, it just is insulting. So 
you had sent me a few today which were really interesting um and the, the one that really caught my eye was verb and that um the original definition of verb verb is latin for word and i just did a podcast interview with antro ali this week who was talking about um the stagnation in the word is and this is a big part of my word how fixity is it's another sort of downside of hierarchy where they try to make everything stuck and stagnant and deny our evolutionary nature that everything is moving and so i love that the original word from the latin was verb right which is in motion but how like one of the fundamental you know another enslavement construct that we're dealing with is all these nouns in our system and in our lexicon so i love and you turn me on to this that the original definition of verb is actually word which puts puts us closer to a capital t truth which is we're always evolving we're always moving and i speak to a lot of my you know coaching clients when i'm working with them on the language of healing with pathologies right and a pathology would say like you have arthritis versus like you're healing some some inflammation you're experiencing some inflammation right western medicine tries to make everything a noun and make everything permanent when the reality is like everything in this reality construct is temporary but our language has has been thrown off with all these nouns and all this permanence that they've they've infused in it right no, that's it's that's a great way of saying it. The, the diagnosis and the treatment and the entire mentality around something is what, what something you have or something you're experiencing. Uh, exactly. Yeah. No, that's yeah. that's a wonderful that's a wonderful example right there. Thanks. I'm glad you like that. Just just to give it a cherry on top. There's the I am, as in like the I am arthritic, the am diabetic, which is the most dangerous, right? Versus the I have this thing versus the I'm healing. I'm experiencing, I'm, I'm moving through. Hmm. Yeah, I had a few things sent to me like that today, too. Uh, well, the verb one, I, I was, I'm really happy that you brought that up because that is something that I wanted to see expanded on. But go, keep going, please. Um, okay, so the religion one, I had, I had prepped and you brought me. Um, so, so the actual definition of religion is to bind back. So re means back, right? going mm-hmm. backwards from ligare, which means to bind. So the actual real deal definition of religion, meaning to bind back. So just thinking of the larger implications of people who define themselves of reli- as religious, people who are following certain religions, and knowing that embedded in that word and that idea from the get-go is a binding, you know, like a, a shackle to something behind us, something backward, something old. Well, wouldn't you also say that there is a, there is a chance there where uh, to, to bind, uh, I mean, you take a vow to bind uh, so many other things, and it doesn't have to, that would also be subjective in some way to call it a shackle. If, you, if, if I were to look at it that way, to, to bind yourself to a... a uh, a belief system or to put yourself if you you're a monk of some kind or you're going off and you are you're on a spiritual path and you have bound yourself to that path you're on that journey I, some people would look at it that way too not so much as a shackling event obviously there are there are many religions and there are many 
cults and there's many, many congregations that have been formed that have led people to utter destruction and disaster and it has been based on very, very poorly conceived notions. But um, at the same time, doesn't have to be a shackling across the board, no? No, I, I think you make a fine point. I mean, in terms of religion, we're putting an intermediate intermediary between mm -hmm. ourselves and the divine and then if we're bound to that again we come back to that fixity to that permanent so what if i bind myself to one belief system you know i had a, a period of time where i was really into mahayana buddhism if i bound myself to that would i be able to you know expand into other belief systems that may contradict that one or may take me further again there's this like permanence that, that strikes me from my paradigm, mm. you know, from my perspective. I get it's you. It's all open to interpretation. For sure, for sure. I, I, I totally see that. You wouldn't have the flexibility to be able to move from one place to the other. You'd still be there. I get you, 100%. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's, to worry actually means to choke. Wow. Um, and that's a word that we often misuse in our culture where, you know, like I have a yoga teacher who's fond of saying, like, don't worry about how high your leg is, worry about how steady your breath is. And I'm like, well, how about we just attune our focus to it? But to, you know, to, to instruct us to worry, if we go to the etymology of choke, that's not super helpful. If we go to the current iteration, which is basically mind fucking, that's not going to be helpful either, you know, and, and I think that's just kind of like a laziness that a lot of us have fallen into where we're unconsciously using this word. But then when I see people who've tied it in to, you know, the larger um, virus op and talking about worrying and choking and can't breathing, you know, these are the frequencies that we are, we're spreading as we use these words. Interesting about the ch I did not know worry is choke. Yeah, worry means to choke. Um, similarly, sorry means full of sorrow or full of sores, literally sores. I'm sorry. Oh. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah. And so when you think about, again, like how recklessly that word is bandied around, like there's the genuine apology, right? Um, where sorrow might be appropriate, but then sometimes like you come out of the bathroom and you see someone's waiting and it's like, oh, sorry. And it's like, okay, I'm spreading sorry or sores. <laughs> mm, I see it. Yeah. And, and I went back to worry again here too. And this is the first time I've ever seen this uh, as a, it's the second definition as a verb uh, of a dog or other carnivorous animal to tear at, to gnaw at, or to drag around with the teeth. Here's the, uh, here's the word. Here's the, the example sentence i found my dog uh contentedly worrying a bone right <laughs> wow i just just wow okay yeah and so the way that language functions in terms of how it programs our whole reality construct is that every word is loaded with all these chunks of metadata so that includes all these definitions all of the etymology on top of personal associations yes stories, weaponization, et cetera, et cetera. So that's all being transmitted, which is why it's really helpful. You know, I think last time we talked about government as mind control, like very helpful to know what these words actually mean as we're giving our trust to these constructs that they're being used to represent. Tremendous. So money, you sent me money and that sent me down a really interesting rabbit hole. I didn't know this one, but money, comes from, so the mid 13th century Latin moneta, 
comes from moner, which means to advise, warn, or admonish. And so then I dug a little bit deeper. The, the Roman goddess Juno is connected to money, right? And this, this goddess has a lot of different iterations. And so the one that's called Juno Mineta is very much related to war um, and to the idea of battle and warning which I thought was super interesting. Mm. Yes. Yeah, no, I did. I, and you know, there's more that came with that, too, because I'm looking at that particular piece of notes there. Uh, money, of course, just the word spelling. But the, as far as when it comes to ad, uh, uh, maritime admirality, there's still a little bit mer- there with money. There's cash flow, river bank, currency, currency, current, C, and C. So that's, uh, there's just so much there that I would love to be able to unpack sometime, but this is the first time I'm seeing it. But again, again, that's, uh, I, I often wonder what the, what the use is right there. A cash flow, uh, a river bank. Uh, was there really something, really something there? To, what are you conditioning a person to think by putting that out into the, into the world? Or is it just at the, at the time an innocent way of making a giving a river bank its name for the first time so you have something to identify it as to other you know mariners or whatever yeah it's for me that's an ongoing exploration as far as like was language perved from the get-go or was it co-opted somewhere along the way you know and i i the jury's still out for me i have a stack of books (laughs) next to my bed that'll help me figure it out Um, So the other one that I wanted to share with us today is authority. So Google has taken it upon itself, along with Merriam-Webster, to change the definition of authority to indoctrinate young children to believe that authority is something external outside of us, that like we have to get permission for or if we, you know, are bestowed with this condition called authority. But authority actually comes from the Latin octor, which is builder, creator, or one who causes to grow. And we don't really have to overthink it because you break down an authority, author, what does an author do? An author writes stories. So I see authority as my God-given right to write my stories however I choose. But I think that conflation is a, a really big part of what we're witnessing in terms of a lot of people's acquiescence to false authority and people not being really you know, self-realized or self-empowered, not understanding that authority is something that lies within us. You know, and I see a lot of rebels as well, rebelling against authority, but at the same time, rebelling against our own internal authority. So that's one that I'm really excited, you know, for everyone to understand the real definition of authority and what it means to have authority. It's true. You know, you think about this, even just bringing up this, um, this ongoing abortion thing, uh, the what you would really what I what I've been seeing is that you have this this situation brewing, where you have the pro-abortion side that is looking at their you know their all-time enemy, which are Republicans or whatever, and that's their all-time enemy. That's the authority that they're trying to fight against. Mm-hmm. On the other hand. The what they have given themselves over to in order to fight against this assigned enemy has also caused them to willfully give up the real power they have to author life. 
and that that is just to be able to 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 shed that responsibility and see that as a a, a sentence in a, a prison sentence instead of a, a a miracle that only individual people small average individual people possess and instead giving up all of that fight to this battle of political titans these two democrat versus republican nonsense and in the middle of it humanity is suffering you know i i think it's a a, a tremendous analogy yeah, I think that you're spot on. And it's, you know, Dr. David Hawkins wrote about this in Power Versus Force, that like when we fight against something, we're empowering whatever it is that we claim to be fighting against. So I've seen this going on with, you know, I don't want to say the pro-choice faction, but the people who get hysterical about losing the right to choose as though it's anyone's, like, it's such a personal thing, right? And then, like, fighting for these rights that are, no one has the authority to take away. So whether we're talking abortion, guns, you know, medical freedom, speech, whatnot, like, my freedom is never in question, and no one has the authority to take it from me. So there's, like, I would never do myself the dishonor of railing against some perceived authority that's going to try to take it away. Like, that's just so cute. Mm. That can't happen. You know, I have a course that I teach, um, and it's available for download on my site called The Language of Sovereign Authority, where I teach people the codes in languaging that attune us to our own sovereign agency and make it so that that's not up for grabs. So regardless of what's happening in our external authority, we are embodying that 24-7 and it's not in question. So we don't have to get into these little tiffs with people who are confused and think that they can chip away at that. Yeah. And that internal authority is really what puts the the modern political uh, scheme really out of business. There's Exactly. That's it. But, is, yeah. I mean, it's why they go the distance to disempower us and to raise children who are disempowered and who misunderstand the definition of authority so that they grow up without an understanding that everything relies within us, you know, which is what I teach my students so that they're just not um, vulnerable to the matrix's shenanigans. I love it. You know what? We're, we're almost at the top of the hour. Let's do let's do two more words because I almost don't want this to end, but I have so much to do in the second half. And I'd, obviously, I'd love to have you back uh, whenever your new book uh, comes out. Maybe we can get you back in the fall or something like that and, and do another round of all this because you said, what do you have, 60 words? I have 16 16. Words. Well, okay. Well, so um, then there's always more. There could always be more. Yes, yes, and I love it when you, when anyone listening sends me words. After our last so, show, so many people sent me words, and I love that because then I'm learning at the same time. Okay, so um, spell. I thought this was interesting about spell because the 14th century definition is form words by means of letter or read letter by letter, but in the 12th century it meant a set of words with supposed magical or occult powers, incantation, or charm. So that definition definitely predates the definition that we're working with now. So we're, obviously we're working off the 13th century, but just one century prior, it had an exclusive magical element to it. Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. Um, these I didn't know. Nimrod actually means great hunter. Did you know that? No, I did not. I just knew the name of the uh, the, the great leader. 
Okay. Um, nice actually means foolish, ignorant, needy, weak, and poor. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that one either. Um, pollution is a 14th century Latin word that means discharge of semen other than during sex. Whoa. So if, so if you're, if you're, so it, well, what century? Um, I think that was, let me go back. Uh, 14th century. So in the, in the 14th century, if you're if you're if you're jerking it in your in your bed, you're polluting your room. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Go ahead, take that one to the bank, boys. Oh wow. Okay, polluting. Um, okay, all one actually alone is actually all one. So that's a complete inversion of that word, right? So it actually means unity versus being isolated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Okay. <laughs> and then you look at how in our culture aloneness is demonized, right? And people aren't really um, lauded for being alone or taught that skill. Which I think I, I think if you don't know how to be alone and be okay with it, you're not a real deal adult. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so always. So always is a word that refers to a temporal condition, right? Forever. But it's actually all ways, so it's spatial. Well, but, uh, and even despite the fact that it being so, for example, uh, spatial or anything, you have all together and all together, um, a l l, right. and then space together, and then there's a l together. But right. wouldn't so that wouldn't be the case if it's all ways? Did they just drop the the second l and and said what? Well, they dropped the second L and they took it from space to time. And mm. when you think of like however many inversions we're trying to like weed our way through as we wake up to, you know, the giant psyop that we've all been living in for God knows how long to conflate space and time is another thing that's going to confuse us and make it so that we can't hamper our mastery of this reality construct. Yes, yes. I can I can see that. That's interesting. And it, it took me a long time to uh, to really master the difference between altogether and altogether. Mm-hmm. So always, yeah. I'll, I'll keep that in the back of my mind too. Okay, let's do one more. Okay, uh, last one. Escrow. Escrow actually means a scrap, a shred, or a piece. So why do you hold why do you hold funds in escrow then? Maybe because you're screwing people over so that they're only getting a tiny scrap of what they think they're getting or of the whole piece of the pie. It could be. I just know that they held our initial deposit for our first studio location in escrow and it did not collect any interest at all. How dare they? So that's that. Okay. Yeah. So there it is. I'm I'm not super hip to the realm of finance. Um but that that was that was my last offering for our segment tonight. Well, I cannot this I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed this and I want to do it again. So and, and now that I know that you have a book coming out sometime this year, uh, I have to imagine you timed it so it's out before the holidays. We'll definitely have you back on. We'll do another 16 words. We'll blow everybody's minds all over again. I know people are going to never, anybody watching this show tonight is never going to look at the word pollution the same way again. <laughs> 
So I am happy that this is that is that that moment of <laughs> defining moment for the evening. I know that. But uh, happy to be of service to the quite frankly crew. Well, Danny, let everybody know I have up on the screen the entire time here dannycats.com. Is that the place to go to know about everything that you're doing, especially where to buy all your books, etc.? Yes, that is the best place to find me as well. I encourage everyone to sign up for my newsletter since I've left social media. It's the best way to keep apprised of my courses, my books, my coaching offerings, my podcasts, everything that I'm doing, dannycats.com. Well, Danny, thanks again and have a wonderful evening. Thanks so much, Frank. You too. Love to the family. All right. Well, I'll pass it right along. Same to yours. Thanks. Okay. There you go, ladies and gents. Well, hey. I feel like we had a good time. I know I did. I hope that you guys did too, or else it was a big waste for you. But um, here's what we're going to do. It is 8.05. We're going on a little bit of a break. I have a music video, a Set the Charge music video lined up after intermission. So there's going to be, I need a little bit of time to run down to the bathroom. I, uh, I didn't go beforehand, so I actually, I got that together while we were doing this. So I'm going to go do that. And when we come back, I have a couple of great, I have to do your super chats, and then we have to talk about this Alex Jones connected to the Veritas thing, and then take some calls. All right? Sounds good to me. Now, ladies and gents, the one thing I got to say before we go is this. Just remember, a guy like me, I'm permanently demonetized on YouTube. I never made a dime off of views anyway, but I did a little bit on the super chats those have been gone for two years now and I have fought for every viewer that I have and every friend that I have made along the way I've worked very 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 hard and I do it out of love and for a passion for this medium and this this uh, this art form which is talk radio and with that this show will never be behind a paywall it will never be behind a paywall because i want this experience to be shared by as many people as possible and you will always be able to access it for free therefore sponsorship of this show no matter how small must be voluntary so i have opened up my cafe lounge my nightly cafe lounge to you and i can only cross my fingers that you will buy a cup a coffee and uh stay a while so ladies and gentlemen if if you enjoy the show, if you support independent media, please, at the bare minimum, give this episode a thumbs up, share it. That's the way you can be a social media sponsor. Get a nice review on iTunes and Spotify. But other than that, go to quitefrankly.tv, especially the Sponsor Us page, where you can weigh out all of your options for contributing to the bottom line. I have spots open for pen pals still, postcard sponsors, Polaroid sponsors, and more on Subscribestar or directly through the uh, the Squarespace, quite frankly, .tv. And also, you can subscribe monthly to the, um, the free newsletter. Well, there's no newsletter. One day there will. I think once we hit like 10,000 subscribers, we'll do a monthly newsletter. But for now, it's just an emergency backup if anything ever happens, and we all need to get on the same page quick. So... Thank you all. Uh, if you're watching, all those links to support the show are also in the episode description. Please become a sponsor. And uh, if you ever want to sell, send us a holiday card or something to unbox, the P.O. Box address is also on the Sponsor Us tab. We will be right back. Thank you all so much, and thanks again to Danny Katz. Welcome. 
Welcome to intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Yeah. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you're going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you?
Okay. You know, that's one of the things I'm going to be doing on the drums soon, too. I, I just have to figure out how to get the click track in my ears so that you guys don't hear it. So I can play Set the Charge songs on jam nights soon, too. When it's just me on the drums. Other times we'll have other musicians in here. So the music program is going to get really ramped up soon. I got, another, I got another word that was sent to me by Abe. He says, my least favorite word is the word try. It's always an implied negative unless the context of sampling flavors or something like that. If someone says they're going to try to do something, they may as well uh, be saying that they're probably not going to do it. Do nothings say try a lot. I agree with you. I agree with you, but I gotta tell you something. I, I, uh, I say try, and I really mean it, and I do it for the most part. I guess yeah, but I yeah, you, there's no getting around it. It is it does imply that it is a negative implication. There's no getting around it. You're right, and I've tried to say it a lot less. I was showing Aurora. I was shocked because Aurora always asks for Yoda. She always asks for Yoda, but she wants the screaming Yoda. So I show her Yoda there, and then I slip in some OG Yoda. Empire Strikes Back. The wisdom of Yoda, especially, especially the swamp in Dagobah. When the Luke's X-Wing was submerged underneath the, uh, the swamp water, and, uh, and Yoda says, well, you know, pretty much says, bring it out, you know, lift it out of the heat. It's too big. He says, well... What? Judge me by my size, do you? So Luke tries to lift it, and he gets it up just a little bit, bubbling, and then he just he just loses it, and he starts sinking back down. And he walks past Yoda, and he says, "You ask the impossible." And he walks away. Then Yoda, in his small little stature, he just closes his eyes and lifts this gigantic starship out of the out of the waters in Dagobah, and brings it down to dry land or semi-dry land, stable land. And that's when Luke comes back over to Yoda and the ship, still out of breath from his efforts before. And he says, I don't believe it. And Yoda says, and that is why you fail. And it never hits any less than like a sledgehammer. I don't care how many times I've seen it. It is never hit, never missed, I should say. But it always hits like a, a sledgehammer. And that's the kind of stuff. Uh, that's the kind of stuff I'm trying to give to to Aurora early on. That mentality, and that uh, that way of things. Uh, okay, let's get into some super chats, shall we? I'm having a good time tonight. We still have some good stuff to do. All right, first one up on quite frankly superchat.com is Stostube. Stostube, ten minutes ago, sent me a blessing. He says, "I love you." He and Sarah says, I love you. Albert Frederick says, do you know how Friday the 13th became unlucky? October, Friday the 13th, 1307, the Jesuit Knights Templar were arrested and executed for usury, sodomy, and worse. FYI, Trump is a Jesuit. People should really watch the the movie Wag the Dog. 
Thank you, Albert. Yes, we have a Friday the 13th blog post on the Quite Frankly blog. That's another, another reason. I said timeless pieces. You should definitely go check them out. Dooku Dan says, announcing legends like Vin Scully, uh, Kurt Gowdy, Mel Allen, and John Miller are vocalists using pauses. Uh, the stadium sounds, the sounds are their backing band. Michael K., Joe Buck, yammer incessantly, very boringly to show off how brilliant they are, not the legends. You're right. You're right. I can listen to Phil Rizzuto talk about how he has to leave. I have to leave at the seventh inning. I can't get over the bridge, and Cora wants me back home for dinner. You know, I, I want to hear that shit. I want to hear that. I want to hear those stories. And one night we're going to have a Phil Rizzuto night. Yes, we will. Uh, 394 says, Frank, I love your taste in music. You are my musical soulmate. I'm falling for you. I want. I wanted to know... If you want to meet and try to give each other monkeypox, we won't tell Lauren. All right, fine. Let's see here. Gino, an hour ago, says, oh, damn. And I meant to tell you. Oh, then that means there's something before that. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, 394 says, Frank, you have, intro- you have introduced me to so much good music from your show. You have diverse tastes and eclectic range. Do you like the band Alter Bridge? I never bought any of their albums. Anthony knows Alter Bridge. He's covered a few Alter Bridge songs. Uh, Blackbird? Is that name the song? Blackbird, fly away. Oh, you never be lonely. Uh, Anthony knows Alter Bridge a lot better than I, but I know them. And just for everybody's edification, I have a link to the Spotify mixtape, the playlist for this all the music I've ever used on this show and continue to use, it's on quitefrankly.tv. In the on-demand section, there's a Spotify playlist. It is the Quite Frankly mixtape. Apparently, a couple of people have found this show by first finding that, that Spotify playlist, which I think is a wonderful Genesis story. I think that's just so great. Gino says, great stuff as always, Francis. Shout out to my visiting brother-in-law, little Jimmy. Who I'm, uh, who I'm sharing your wonderful show with this fine evening. Much love. Gino, that's awesome. Man, what's going on, little Jimmy? I hope you guys are watching it in a, uh, a, a great summer setting and enjoying with a cold beverage. Cold beverage. Gino says, uh, oh, damn, and I meant to tell you how much it warmed my heart to hear you do that Sterling impression, the Sterling impression the other night. Hearing his voice in every Yankee game is like another family member. Go Yanks. What was the impression I did? I think I... Did I do another Sterling... John Sterling, the conspiracy theorist? We were probably doing something. I don't know. And here we have another one. Silky Johnson says, Frank, have you ever experienced a glitch in the Matrix? A few weeks ago, after a storm, I was watching a bird play in a puddle. I go up to, uh, it it goes, wait, wait, it got up to fly away and was just frozen in the air for a few seconds, like paused, like the pause button was hit. Then it continued on. It was odd. So a bird flew up from a puddle, paused in the air. It wasn't a hummingbird or anything like that where it could hover. That is odd. 
Uh, Green-Eyed Patriot says, So grateful for you, Frank. Keep doing what you do and never underestimate how you touch many lives. Excited for Roseanne tonight. Oh, that was from last night. And I'm sorry that I, uh, I messed in any way, shape, or form with your excitement. But I promise you she'll be back. That was going to be her third appearance on the show. But uh, we'll, we'll work that out. No worries. Okay. Uh, what else do I have? I have a another one over here. Hey, Frankie boy, could you please wish my unexpected blessing? My baby girl, Maury Phoenix, a happy first birthday. It was on the 27th of July. I'm so sorry that I had uh, missed this. She will love you saying her name on TV. We watch the show every morning, and she does a dance to the intermission music. Signed, Anastasia. Hey, Maury. Maury Phoenix. Happy birthday. I hope Mommy got you a nice smash cake. Just a cake to just destroy. You deserve it, little girl. You deserve it. I have been sent pictures, video of people's children running around for the intermission video and it was prior to Aurora being born to see you know little brothers running around it's excitement because the intermission dancer and all the music and stuff and it just warmed my heart and I I, I've that has been sent to me over the years and I just love it I love it not only do I love just seeing it because that's the music I'm playing and this is the connection they have with the show and but it's just so awesome to see that that young vibrant excited life and to see parents looking at their children running around I understand that sense of wonder now yeah they're just crazy little kids children running around in a circle but they're yours they weren't there a few years ago you made them and look at how much life and personality they have it's it's beautiful Okay, let's see here. Tom says, Frank, are you are you shocked that we got through Nancy Pelosi's lone wolf stunt in Taiwan yesterday? Well, I don't know, Tom. I imagine your shock... Uh, I, I imagine your shock is, was facetious. I'm just going to go with that, that it's facetious. In that respect, I agree with you. It's a, a big shock. Guys, the Democrat Party, in particular are practically partners with the Chinese. That's why I say there's some there's some weeks when a lot of things are just happening and other weeks where it just smells weird. You know, Pelosi's colleagues are how many of how many of Nancy Pelosi's colleagues have been exposed being cozily shacked up with Chinese spies? They're friends in Silicon Valley, they helped the Chinese develop their their slave ass breakaway internet, the dragonfly internet. And let's be honest, if we if it weren't for the release of the virus If it weren't for the release of the virus or the escape, if it weren't for the escape of the virus that we outsourced to China, what would 2020 have looked like for Democrats? That's not to say that their university systems are not, do not give tenure to every Chinese spy that they can find. So like I said yesterday, there are weeks when there's just a lot happening and then there are weeks when everything smells like rat shit and Nancy just infuriates the Chinese. Nancy infuriates the Chinese, and all they do is send their boats, sail their boats around and fire blanks just to show how mad they are. I don't know. And not for nothing, not for nothing, the Chinese, if they were really mad, they don't have to fire a a cannon. 
The Chinese don't have to fire one cannon, not one howitzer needs to be fired by the Chinese right now, by the military. They could drop a dime on Hunter Biden whenever they want. If they're really upset, but they don't want to start a war. They can drop a dime on Hunter Biden right now. That would be devastating. It wouldn't require the Navy. It would just wouldn't require it. Hunter Biden business partners, one of his biggest business partners was a Chinese spy for Pete's sake. We heard it in the... I mean, there's documentation, but we heard it coming out of his mouth. The recordings. You know, all that non-existent blackmail that Putin supposedly had hanging over Trump to do his bidding, although Trump didn't do his bidding and Putin still didn't release it for some reason because it didn't exist. The Chinese actually have the goods on the Bidens and God knows who else. We know the Clintons. If you go to the blog post once again on quitefrankly.tv, there's an old blog post I kept adding to called Chinese Checkers. You can see how during the years that Hillary Clinton had her wide open special access programs, top secret server in Chappaqua. During those years that there was access to whoever in the world, to those servers, almost every American asset, intelligence asset in China was being annihilated, shot dead in the street in public. The Swalwells and Fang Fang, the Feinsteins, Diane Feinstein being driven around by a Chinese spy for 20 years. So I'm sorry, with the pieces that I have available to me, which is just what you guys have available, the pieces I currently have splayed out in front of me, tell me this all reeks like Kabuki theater. And honestly, why the hell should I give a damn about the Chinese when our own DOJ and FBI are psychopaths who are prone to classify you as a domestic terrorist if you own or display a Betsy Ross flag? Have you seen the latest FBI leaks with Veritas? We're going to do that in just a second. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And here's Terry. Terry says, oh gosh, oh, I guess I have to read this thing. Uh, Terry says, Frank, don't listen to people. I think a Saturday night topic of walking in on parents doing it would be hilarious. Just my two cents. You know, I wasn't going to bring this up again. Uh, but thank you, Terry. Uh, I guess I, I'll, I have a bone to pick with some of you in the, uh, in the chat room. I have a bone. I know, I know the chat room. Everybody's got to, everybody's got to puff up their chest a little bit sometimes and take a stand. But this was not the thing to take a stand against. Everybody that got all lemon-faced. Everybody got lemon-faced about it yesterday. A thread topic of walking in on parents doing it. I don't think that that, that, those stories are hilarious if it doesn't happen to you. Those stories are hilarious. Cringe and hilarious if it doesn't happen to you. And when someone is willing to share their unfortunate yet very human story with the rest of us for a laugh, what the hell's the big deal? You know, I mean, because it's not, it's not just the, uh, it's not just, oh, my, my, my parents were doing it one night. It's the reactions. What happened? Was there screaming? Everybody, no, covering up. Did you play it off as if you were sleepwalking and just quietly died inside as you went back to your room? What the hell was it? You know, has it become an unspeakable, unspeakable topic? Everyone knows what happened, but no one dare broach it. Or, or confront it. I think that's funny. I think it's just human stories. And furthermore, what is so gross about the thought that a married couple could have, had, could still have their passion intact? How, what is so, what is so gross, the thought 
that a, a married couple could have their passion for each other survive the childbearing years. I just don't get it. So if we do this topic, don't worry, I'll bury it in a Saturday night show somewhere. I don't want to upset the lemon faces. <clears throat> I don't want to upset the lemon faces. Well, th- thank you, Terry. Terry's wheelchair. Thank you so much. I uh, I didn't think I was going to bring that up again. I, th- I thought I, I thought that that was a oh you know keep that to yourself. Okay, uh, what else do I have? Um, eight eight thirty. I better get started on this, and then I'll get back around to other. I'll get back around to the the Rockfin, and I'll get back around to the Rumble, and then Pilled. And Pilled is looking nice. And remember, it's Wednesday evening, so it is Rabbit Hole Wednesday on QuiteFrankly.tv. I hope that you join us over there after the show concludes. All right. So here's what I have for you first. It is the it is Project Veritas. It's Project Veritas, and here we are with this. Domestic Terrorism Symbols Guide on Militia Violent Extremists. FBI Whistleblower Leaks Bureau Domestic Terrorism Symbols Guide on Militia Violent Extremists, citing Ashley Babbitt as a MVE martyr. That's Militia Violent Extremists. So Ashley Babbitt has been made into a martyr... Uh, officially classified as a martyr by the FBI, who serves nobody. Leaked document is labeled as unclassified law enforcement sensitive. That is for FBI internal use only. It's good to see that there's somebody, uh, that we're starting to see defectors on the inside of the FBI call out what the hell's going on. Do you remember back in like, I don't know when it was, might have been 2008, 2009, 7, whatever it was. It was the MIAC security reports. It was all of this internally generated, I don't know, scouting reports that was being circulated around law enforcement around the country, uh, how, to, how to start paying attention to certain terror threats. Among them, many were, were Second Amendment groups, were Oath Keepers. They, they're already knocking on that door. But also returning war veterans, already starting to already starting to put the the uh, the magnifying glass on war veterans modern war veterans especially who are coming back from all those Middle Eastern and North African theaters and they're starting starting to see the bullshit up front and starting to become a little bit more disaffected about why they were out there and why they were doing what they were doing so yeah of course you want to make sure that all of our returning vets are labeled uh, threats. Under the symbols category in the document, the Second Amendment is listed with the following explanation. Uh, Militia violent extremists justify their existence with the Second Amendment due to the mention of well-regulated militia, as well as the right to bear arms. See, the FBI is not an American organization. It's not an American organization. It's something else. Um, It's serving a master, but none of it is American. Revolutionary war imagery such as the Gadsden flag and the Betsy Ross flag. I have the Betsy Ross flag flying right over there, over our um, over our hookahs, our hookah display. As well as commonly, re- uh, let's see, are cited in the document under commonly referenced historical imagery or quotes. 
In the document, FBI cites symbols, images, phrases, events, and individuals that agents should look out for when identifying alleged dem domestic terrorists. It's most of the people in this audience. And because this is, this is only the latest iteration. I, I forget when it was the FBI put, put out other things. It was another set of criterion. It, it must have been back in 2020. Must have been 2020. And earliest 2021. But all bases have been covered. Unless you are a bootlicking freak. You are not completely trustworthy, according to your own government. And this is what came out with uh, Veritas recently. Now, I want to take that, and I want to move on a little bit more. It brings me to Alex Jones, because it all connected in one way or another. Now, Alex arrived in uh, court the other day. First of all, here's a little bit of Yahoo News. Here's a little bit of Yahoo News. First of all, we'll, oh yeah, we'll go to the video of him arriving in court, I think, yesterday? Or earlier today? I don't know. Listen to this. How are you doing today, Mr. Jones? Doing great. Are you looking forward to hearing anything or making your case? Well, this is all a show trial. Judges don't find people guilty in America. Juries do. So she found me guilty. She lied and said we didn't give them the discovery so she could have a show trial and tell the jurors eight times I've seen her, this man's guilty. So all of your rights to due process and trial by jury is being destroyed here in Austin, Texas. Austin is the second most famous city in America for judicial fraud. D.C. and Austin, where the Democratic Party have fully weaponized the judiciary to persecute people, just like Rick Perry, who they indicted for vetoing a bill. They indicted him. Or Tom DeLay. So I, now, now I know the, I've been following a little bit about the judge, and supposedly she's just a vicious woman which is not surprising. And I have listened to people like Viva Fry. I think that's how you say his name, right? Viva Fry. He laid out and really filled in a lot of the gaps on what they was talking about with the discovery, how they screwed Jones during discovery. He turned over innumerable documents. I, thought, I, I heard that they was measured in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of files and documents, both uh, printed and digital, and still charged him for withholding. And now, what is this all about? It's about it's about defamation, and the the uh, all around the the Sandy Hook shooting and the parents and the the claims of hoax. Here's from Yahoo News, real quick. This is from today. This is from today because they they really want this scalp. U.S. conspiracy theorist Alex Jones told a Texas jury on Tuesday that he never intended to hurt parents of a child killed in 2012 Sandy Hook massacre when he claimed the shooting was a hoax, saying his comments were taken out of context. Jones, founder of the InfoWars radio show and, and webcast, uh, is on trial to determine how much he should pay for spreading falsehoods about the killing of 20 children and six staff on... See, here's the thing, falsehoods, spreading falsehoods. I never intentionally tried to hurt you, Jones said, addressing the, the, the parents. I never even said your name until this case came to court. I didn't know who you were until this came up. Neil Heslin, Scarlett Lewis, the parents of a slain six-year-old, Jesse Lewis, are seeking as much as $150 million from Jones and his company, Free Speech Systems, LLC. Jesse Lewis's mother, Scarlett, addressed Jones directly on Tuesday after... He questioned Heslin's credibility during a morning broadcast. Quote, I know you believe me, yet you're going to leave this courtroom and say it again on your show, she said. 
Do you have the capacity to put yourself in my shoes? Do you have empathy? I can't even describe the past nine and a half years of hell I have been, had to endure because of the negligence and the recklessness of Alex Jones and the propaganda he has peddled for his own profits and success. Now, now I understand. Okay. Believe, I believe her about the whole hell thing. There are very abrasive people out there who are addicted to whatever they perceive to be the thrill of the hunt. And now that doesn't satisfy some questions at all. But I wanted to, I want to just, um, here's another, I think this is a Scarlet, is this it? Uh, who is this? Another victim, another, who is this? It's another mother comes up to Alex Jones and gives him a little bit of water. I want to play this and I'll get back to what I was saying before based on the the uh, the Yahoo here. Listen to watch this. This is from inside the chant the inside the courtroom. So there's Alex Jones now a mother comes up and gives him a water and they're talking to each other. She sh- he shakes her hand, and I guess a father or a grandfather comes over, shakes Alex's hand as well, and they start, t- and they start talking as well. Now they're face to face, and now here come. And, that, and that's the way this, this goes. That's when the other guy, the prosecutor comes over, or the representative of the families, comes over and breaks up the entire human exchange. That's not the way this goes, he goes. There's no civility in this courtroom, Mr. Jones. So things like that are going on. And But here's the question I ask. Here's the question I ask. It was Scarlett Lewis that handed Alex Jones water. And something else after a court ended on Tuesday. The plaintiff's attorney later interrupted the conversation between Jones and Neil Heslin, the father. So it was the mother and the father. And um, and it had to be broken up because it was too human. Now, as I said before, nine and a half years of hell. I would believe it. Especially if you lost a child and then you have to deal with the Internet. Scratching and clawing for answers about yet another very, very messy and murky situation. It doesn't satisfy the anomalies and questions about the event or how the media and the Obama administration very predictably threw a saddle on it to drive disarmament once again. But children died, as they always do, horrifically enough. It is, after all, a major sacrifice. But here we are. Perpetually, This is why I'm bringing up about all this stuff. We're, we are perpetually being lied to by government and law enforcement. One confirmed hoax and false flag after another. The wars, the major, the major historical events, wars that they are, that have been started via false flag, be it the USS Maine in 1898 to the Gulf of Tonkin and beyond, even the plots that never actually took off that never left the ground, like Operation Northwoods. Sandy and, and Sandy Hook was years before an even larger puzzling event at Las Vegas, wherein the FBI said after a few months of kind of investigating it that we did all that we can do. We'll never know. We will never know what happened here. 
okay? So you have all of this deception and gaslighting. That is commonplace and the status quo in this country, and I would have to say around the world, wherever media has become as powerful and as insidious as it has over here. You have all this deception and you have all this gaslighting, and it makes this face-off between Alex Jones or someone like him and a grieving mother inevitable. It makes that face-off in a courtroom inevitable or anywhere else. And then, of course, you just have to capitalize on the optics, which the media is always happy to oblige. Now, here's my question for you. This is just a... um, uh, It's such a, a sensitive topic where children lose their lives in the fray. Uh, It's that easy to lose sight of the big, basic questions about free speech around that as well. Does Alex Jones have the right to be very wrong or partially wrong or anything? Insensitive in any way about his assessment of an event, whether it be a tragedy or a triumph. Does he have the right to be in any way wrong or insensitive about his assessment of an event? Do you? I mean, say some of the parents, say some of these parents were being um, harassed by info warriors. That's what they're saying. Or am I responsible? Am I responsible for the way that a person in this audience reacts to a show that I produce? That's unbelievable right there. And if so, why isn't Bernie Sanders in jail for that nutjob supporter of his who attempted to kill the entire Republican softball team a few years ago? Why didn't that happen? I wonder. And that was a rifle. That wasn't bad, insensitive opinions. And when it comes to defamation, as Alex said in the, in, the, in the courtroom, I never knew any of your names. I never said your names. I never knew your names until we got, came to this setting. With defamation, does, don't you have to be named? I know Alex initially claimed that some of the parents presented to the public may have been crisis actors. But is it defamation? If it, is it defamation if you don't name a single person or single a person out? Where does the defamation come from? Because if not, then we can all sue the DOJ for categorizing most of the people in this audience as domestic terror threats in the last few months alone. I'm just trying to figure out where the hell this is going. So I want to take some calls on that. Uh, 914-595-6953. I'm going to take some calls. It's 845, so I don't know how many tall calls I'm going to be able to take. But, um, but yeah, 914-595-6953. Try to keep it on topic because we don't have any time left. And in the meantime, in the meantime, I will go and, uh, I will bring in some more super chats so I don't get left out of the fray. All right, here on Rockfin, uh, Gladiating says, hey, can you ask your guest about the word literally? Shit. Well, I'll ask her next time. I promise. Michelle, uh, Michelle Obama Isaman says, I love those old sports commentators here in Australia. The former Captain Richie Bernard became a commentator and still to this day some of the uh, at some test matches you'll get a group of 20 or 30 guys in the crowd all dressed like Richie the beige suits the gray wigs etc they call them Richies in the coverage really important cultural figures Richie was a sound of Aussie Summers 
I'm glad to see that that is the same elsewhere, too. So far, not one call has come through, so now I am suspicious of Skype again. Yes, indeed, I am. Thank you to Selling the Farm on Rumble. Keep going, Frank. You are nightly entertainment, and we appreciate it. I'm glad that you are here to hang with me, Selling the Farm. And Brian Frank one says, will, uh, will please interview David Weiss. I emailed you his info on Sunday. Yes. Uh, two other flat earthers e- emailed it to me as well, and I'm going to reach out to him and see what I can, what I can do. To, but I, I got to say, it's one of those niche discussions where I I have to be coming from a position or else I'm just letting the guy talk and and I, I, I need to be from a position where I can ask questions and have something I don't know anything about the topic so I, I, I'll I'll talk I'll see what I can do and um, I'll watch some more of his videos to see if I can and some some bigger questions pop up for me that I'd love to hear him answer and then uh, and then and, and there you go Let's see. Uh, Foxhole. Oh, here you go. Chris, what's going on, Chris? Francis, good to talk to you. What do you what's going on? So what do you think about the uh, the, the First Amendment uh, question I, I posed before? I mean, it's clearly under attack. It's under attack every day with, with censorship and, and, you know, everything like, you know, any, anytime you're on a public platform nowadays, you're going to get censored, whether you're talking about you know, as Matt would call it, the COVID, or, or you're talking about something that the government has done, even in the past. Like, you could bring up fucking, you know, the syphilis, you know, experiments that they did down in, down in, down south, and they would say, oh, you're just being a conspiracy theorist, and they just mock you for it. Well, but now that they're, they're realizing now that people are starting to think for themselves much more at a higher level. They're watching shows like this. They're watching shows like Adel or Dilly or, or, or Red Pill or the plethora of other, you know, free-thinking shows, or even InfoWars out there. I do have a tendency to think that he's relatively controlled, but that's, that's on my, my opinion and my plate. So, I mean, but, but they're, they're trying to... If it is a show trial that it is, they're attempting to show you that if this is what you're going to talk about, this is how we're going to handle you, and we're going to come down hard on you, is to get people to not talk about things like this. And, and, it's, and it's definitely, you know, you can't, like you said, if they're not going to charge Bernie Sanders for that nutbag showing up to a fucking baseball game with a rifle or a softball game, whatever it is, because he was pissed off at Republicans because Bernie said all Republicans are fucking trash or whatever. You know, they can't come after Alex Jones for fucking his people that watch his show. And, and I won't lie, I used to watch it. It, you know, it ultimately brought me into more, you know, it was, it was early on for me and my, my, my mind expansion uh, is how I could put it. But it, it's, they're just trying to, to squash anybody and they're using him as the, he's the biggest name, he's the biggest conspiracy theorist. Anybody, you know, any normie that you talk to about, uh, in a real situation, about anything right now, is immediately goes to it. Oh, you're just one of those Alex Jones followers, or you're just one of those InfoWars followers. Yeah, you know. Or you, you're, you're just a conspiracy theorist. And with that, they can just squash you and go from there, just right there. Oh, well, he, he's in court right now. So, so if you would think anything like him, you should be arrested too. And they'll applaud people being arrested for being for having their rights trampled, and it's the saddest thing to ever see, actually. I and, and I, I can just add one other thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Quick, because hey, we. Go ahead. No, no, no. If you have one other thing, do it quick because we're running out of time. The Bob Uecker shit is hilarious. That's all I gotta say. That guy cracks me up. Major leagues. Funniest fucking movie ever. I tell you, everybody needs to go spend a little bit of time if they want to just end the night on a nice little lighthearted note. Any night of the week, whatever the hell it is, thank you again for the call, Chris. Go and watch some of Bob Uecker's appearances on 
anywhere or watch Major League, uh, anything. Bob Uecker is the man. And you Milwaukee Brewers, you have had... You are, you once again, you fans in Milwaukee, you have had a wonderful, wonderful ride with a legend. A legend behind the, micro, the microphone. But yeah, uh, that's what I was saying before. All that deception, all that gaslighting makes these face-offs between someone like Alex Jones and a grieving mother inevitable. And the optics of that are just so bad. So bad. There is just, and you just got to, well, what are you going to do? You're going to talk your way through it? That is a line in the sand. That is just it. It just, it's bad. And this is the way the work, the, the, the world works. False flags are the way of the world, at least the modern world, and how the modern world has been shaped through all the world wars and everything else, from the Lusitania to everything. I mean, it just, it's all complete, it's all complete, completely out there. It's declassified. It is the most well-known shit. It's all out there. But most people, they just not, this does not make it to the textbooks. And you have to do a little bit of digging. And it's verifiable. But at the same time, all that history, for those people who are seeing what's going on, are becoming increasingly more concerned about the way that the world is being divvied up and played like a game of dominoes. Uh... This is the way that you make looking into those situations and looking into those themes and those topics and that those hidden chapters of history make it completely unpalatable for the average person because then all of a sudden you're lumped in with Alex Jones. And, uh, and yeah, that's just that's the way it's it's worked. Okay, real quick, I got to run through Pilled, and I'm going to try. Hopefully, I can take another call. Sean Joe, thank you. Paulie93 says Pelosi embarrassed China. They will have to save face in the media only, I hope. Uh, hierarchies, Jason Blocker says, have and will always exist and aren't always bad. Katz is very confused. Uh, no, not in the context that we were talking about him. Hierarchies of sex patriarchy to be replaced by you know the, the concept of a toxic patriarchy being replaced by a ravenous matriarchy no the context in which we were talking was perfectly uh perfectly um uh, appropriate 123 skg thank you so much Jason Blockers, again, says, how would any business, family, organization, society work with no hierarchy? No hierarchy equals chaos. Again, Jason, we are not talking about it from that standpoint. Jason Blocker, again, what do you mean they have the momentum? We clearly have the momentum. Oh, yeah? Hey, where, 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 where's the momentum? I mean, in a, in a, uh, a world... Uh, a world power structure sense, hierarchy, where's the momentum? We are tasked with self-education. There's momentum there. There's momentum there, but we really have to just self-educate and preserve our uh, our wits for whatever the hell kind of um, hellfire is still still to come. I mean, th- there's a lot. There's a lot. To, there's a lot of path to walk there. So anybody anybody thinks that we've got the upper hand right now, it's just you. I mean, we, we haven't even gotten into the, the dirty dealing yet. It's filthy. 
but we haven't gotten into the real dirty shit yet. So, and, and when I say that, again, like most things, that's not a, I never serve up black pills on this show. I find them completely useful, a, uh, oh, useless, a useless dish, empty calories. So, um, there's that. There's momentum in education, but as far as being able to go, you know, you know, blow for blow with the machine, definitely not. Um, let me see here. Let me see here. Meat Puppet says, Frank, love the show. Always have, ha- always, have always will. Uh, if I can give more, I would. Don't worry about that, Meat Puppet. Great to have you out there. Delona55, thank you for all the cookies and the cans and starting the cookie war. Pam D, thank you. Sean Joe again. Ranger Billy. Uh, Jason Blocker again says, here's another donation. Gotta support content like this. Gotta. Just gotta. Jason, I love that you're out there and hanging out, and I and I love that, you know, this is great. I, I, I want there to be some sort of a some sort of a sharpening of knives from time to time. Some contrarian opinions from Jason tonight, and very healthily so. Stostube says, Super Chat was actually blank. But hey, what can we say? We do love you, brother. Be well. Thank you so much for the phone, Stostube. And then here comes a whole bunch of cookies. Whole sleeve of cookies. Jay Brewski, Stostube, Zoso Dude says, I was hoping to see Frank in tie-dye. I will make sure I wear the tie-dye on Friday. I will tell you this, though, Zoso. My wife, Lauren, was walking around in a Zoso Dude tie-dye shirt yesterday i believe or today so she has already swam inside of it and she loves it so don't worry it's coming meat puppet says for an amazing ice cream with the munchkin she thinks she's not a chicken nugget but she is i know she's fooling herself switch rod ben harnwell war room has the perfect name for globalist government leaders sociopathic overlords that's a great one And Delona sent an EMP. Great show, Frank. An EMP is enormous. And I just played you the Set the Charge song named EMP after the break tonight. 857, let's take one last call. Groovy Man in Arizona. Go ahead. What's happening, Frank? Hey, Groovy Man, you're the last call tonight. Give us a good one. Rock and roll, bro. Uh, yeah, I've been keeping up with Trowell and... Uh, Get a little bit closer to the, the phone, Groovy Man. I can barely hear you. Yeah, I've been keeping up with the trial with Alex Jones. Uh-huh. And... Uh, is that better? Yeah, yes. Please, don't pay attention. Turn off the stream and just pay attention to my voice. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I did not have the stream on. Anyways, I did keep it up with the, with the, the trial. And my question is, to Alex, why hasn't his lawyer asked if there was a such thing of crisis actors? Because they went on and on and on about crisis actors, but nobody asked the real question. That's all I really have to say, bro. Oh, wait, who, who brought it up? It, it was the prosecution? It was a prosecution over and over again, and then when his lawyer came up and started talking about crisis actors, no one asked the question, do they even exist? So it, just, it was just odd. It was you know, weird. It was like... 
I have to imagine. No, I have to imagine Groovy. And now you've obviously watched more than I, and I thank you for the call. But it's it's bringing some some questions up for me too. I'd have to imagine that there is an aspect of this where you know that you are in a corrupt courtroom. You know that the the media is stacked against you. You know that the judge hates you. Um, you you are looking at. Uh, I mean, I mean, if it's anywhere near a hundred fifty thousand, a hundred fifty million dollars, and I don't know if there's any jail time attached to that too. But that's enough Absolutely, to to. I get that. I mean, it might just be a moot call. If if you are the defense right now, and uh, thanks again for the call, mm-hmm. I don't know anything about the situation. But if I am looking at that kind of situation, I'm Alex Jones, mm-hmm. and that's what's stacked against me. My only, my only objective would be to try to find a way to not inflame anything anymore and just say, how can I apologize my way out of this, this, uh, this courtroom? I mean, there's, I don't know, who am I to say you need some moral victories here? Bring it to them. You're not going to win. You're not going to win. At this point, when everybody already thinks you're a nut, to be able to give everybody a crash course in the very real history of crisis actors uh, and, and false flags and how false flags have shaped the modern world, that is not going to help you. In fact, it's probably going to enrage everybody even more. I mean, if you are thinking about how to save your life, if you're thinking about how to save your life, then... I, the last thing I would do is take out a diagram about crisis actors and, and you know, how they exist and, uh, and and to have all that conclude with. So, in conclusion, I just, I just made a mistake and I just thought that this was, it's not going to help. So, I, I don't know too much more about the, the defense strategy, but that's, that's just really it. That's what I would say, groovy man. I wouldn't even try to touch that. Well, you all have been wonderful to me. I've had a great time tonight with Danny Katz and so many of you in the audience. Wish we had a little bit more time for calls, but it seems that I need a three-hour show, which will not happen. Not happen. Two hours are going to have to do it. Maybe what I do is I put a little bit less topics into a two-hour show. But I don't know. A sprinkling of super chats. Those are like really quick calls. A sprinkling of calls. Other nights we go heavier with the calls than others. I think we have a good balance tonight. Thank you all so much. I will see you tomorrow for the Thursday night show with the great, amazing Polly. But I want to tell you one thing. It's not over right now, and I'll be in the chat room on QuiteFrankly.tv before long. Here's what I got from Abe and the boys at the network. Tonight's after show blends the magic of the movie Monday with the mystery of the rabbit hole Wednesday. Enjoy two conspiracy thrillers, starting with a shining documentary about... Kubrick moon landing and ending with a thrilling and creepy conspiracy thriller about the infamous Taurus Club. All of this and you, the Franklies tonight, after the show only at quitefrankly.tv. So this is your time to go and click away from here, open up a a browser tab, go to quitefrankly.tv, get into that chat room and, and enjoy yourself. Thank you everybody on Rockfin and Theta, and uh, one more time through, quite frankly, superchat.com. Did I miss anybody? 
problematic Will says, I got canceled at an improv theater in Austin Austin for not agreeing to boycott Chick-fil-A when news reports that they donated to the Salvation Army, who was purportedly to support conversion therapy. The Salvation Army? Wow. Improv. You can't... Why couldn't they just, you know, pretend to be normal, not crazy people? They're... They're improv actors. Just improv that you're normal. And stop banning everybody. Well, anyway, I love you all. Take care. Good night. And um, fare thee well. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film before a live studio audience. And now our super chatters. Problematic Will, Stostube, Albert Frederick, Dooku Dan, 394, Gino, Silky Johnson, and Green-Eyed Patriot. You guys have honored me tonight. I can't wait to see you tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Good night. And get to quitefrankly.tv. Become a sponsor of the show as well. Thank you again. <laughs>